Hello and welcome to another episode of Inside the Mind, where we go inside the mind of some of the most dynamic and interesting people in the world. This week, I'm very privileged and very honoured to have be in the presence of Robbie Lal, who is the host of Arsenal Fan TV, or AFTV, excuse me, um, and uh, someone who I've followed you for years. Um, I'm a United fan myself, so I wish I could... Oh, never mind, never mind. <laughs> I wish I could relate a little bit more <laughs> to you. But thank you so much for, for coming on and, and for giving your time. No, no worries. How has your start to the year been? Start to the year has been really busy, really, really busy. Um, the year always kicks off with the January transfer window, um, despite the fact that Arsenal didn't sign anybody. But, you know, but um, for me, it's a really busy time because like, uh, I do a show called Transfer Daily, which is like a very popular show on AFTV. Yeah. And um, that show is literally goes out every single day. So I've been doing that every day. Um, throughout January, um, I got to wake up really early to do loads of research on it and stuff like that. So, um, and then also I've got another channel now called DR Sports, which is really flying at the moment. And um, we've been doing the African Cup of Nations on on uh, DR Sports as well. So that's been busy as well as all the other games and Arsenal games that have been going on and just games in general because on over on DR Sports. We cover like football. We cover all sports. You know what I mean. So mm. it's, yeah, it's been really, really busy. Oh, so is this, is it sort of like a barstool type of um, sort of company now? Yeah, um, DR Sports yeah. is as I said, it's all sports. We oh, cover all sports. All sports. Um, you know, we, we we do Formula One on it. We do boxing. We we're gonna do uh, something for the Super Bowl coming up. Very you cool. know, so yeah, it's really cool, really cool channel. We do loads of um, watch-alongs to different games. And as I said, we've been one of the only sort of people on YouTube, social media that have been doing the African Cup of Nations, which has been brilliant, by the way. And we've been we've been doing all of that as well, um, doing all the big games. So that's been really good. So yeah, it's been really busy, man. I haven't stopped. I, was, I haven't really stopped really since... Well, I just say it stops. When, you know when, I mean? when do you chill? When do you? Oh, you know, I, I feel like I could, you know, I feel like now coming up, I could do with a little break. Um, but I just can't see the the period to have that break at the moment. So yeah. it's just busy, man. It's good to be busy sometimes anyway. Especially in the circumstances we surround ourselves in, like with lockdown. Yeah, and yeah COVID times, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. it's, been, it's been a really testing time. I mean, on AFTV, we had to completely change our model of how we did things, you know, when football, first of all, it stopped completely. So it's like, wow, what do we do for content? You know what I mean? Um, and then when it did start back, you know, for the whole of the season, it was behind closed doors, you know, so fans weren't able to go to the games. And as you know, like one of the principal things we do is we speak to fans outside games. And so we couldn't do that because, yeah. you know, you weren't allowed at games. So we had to, um, come up with a sort of new concept of doing a watch along which went really really well and um yeah we just had to adapt man this has been a time of adapting you know just before christmas literally the whole of my team me included came down with a uh, with a uh, covid oh, that's the second time i've had it you know what i mean but like literally it, it literally wiped out everybody or were you quite symptomatic so, or was it quite easy i i i um the first time i had it um it was a lot worse, but the second time I had it, um, I think I had that Omricon one that they're talking about. I think um, it wasn't as bad. I, I, to, to be honest, I was still going to go into work. It wasn't mm. until like a couple of my guys said, oh, they've tested positive. And then I did a test and I was positive as well. But I just had a bad cough, really. Yeah. And I think um, I, I want to sort of um, 
provide a little bit of context to you and I also want to talk a little bit more about sort of your beginnings and how sort of you got into uh, AFTV because mm. um, you've had a very awesome career you started off as a property surveyor uh, and you went to, you, you did reggae for a little bit yep um, so there's so much to you so where, where's Robbie Lau from that's let's start with start there. I'm, from, I'm from England I was born in London you know um, my parents uh, um, were Jamaican you know, sadly they both passed away now but they were they were Jamaican. They came to this country um, as immigrants, and yeah, we, we we grew up in this country. I've got three brothers, and yeah, you know, what I mean, it's just, just from real humble beginnings. You know, what I mean, my parents when they come to this country, they 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 were pretty poor, you could say, but I always bigged them up, man, because they went on to own their own house. Um, they worked hard. And they sort of instilled that in me and all my brothers. And all of us have kind of gone on to do good things. You know what I mean? I've got a, a brother who's a, a headmaster of a school. Um, I've got another brother who's um, quite got a very senior post um, at BBC. Um, and my other brother um, works with me. Um, you know, and so, yeah, we, we've... And it's always been what my parents instilled in me, which was like, they're like, Robbie, you got to work hard. You've got to work twice as hard. Yeah. You know, um, that used to be a lot of times black parents would say that to their kids. You've got to work twice as hard. Yeah. To be, to and, be and the same yeah, yeah. And it's very true. It's very true. So, you know, growing up in this country, that's my sort of philosophy that I've always adopted, like working hard and, you know, um, being very determined to succeed. And I think it's that kind of, I've described it before as like, um, one of the things you've taken from that, that sort of Jamaican side of my family is that if you ever go to Jamaica, they've got this kind of underdog spirit. So even though Jamaica's a tiny country with, you know, a population of under 3 million, the country itself achieves a lot of things. Like you said, reggae music is renowned throughout the world. I think it comes from a tiny country. You've got guys like Usain Bolt who, you know, dominated athletics. You've got even in athletics now, you know what I mean? Bob Say team. Yeah, Bob Say's team, <laughs> footballers, you know, Ryan Sterling, all these guys. Yeah. You know I mean? So they've got this underdog spirit, which is like, you know, it doesn't matter. It might be from a small country. It doesn't matter that we're, whoever, we're going to achieve or we're going to try to achieve. So I think I kind of always had that in me as well. Yeah. Were you, were you a sporty kid? What sparked the interest in football? I was I was a sporty kid. I used to play football. I used to play rugby. I used to, I used to do a bit of boxing. I used to, I loved all sports. Yeah. My, my sporting thing comes, I think, from my dad. My da- I cricket, I was big in as well. My dad loved sports. My dad watched sports twenty four seven. Um, you know, that's when when he used to watch the TV, that's literally all he watched. He was really into cricket, loved his football, you know, just all sports. So like me and all my brothers, we you know, we, we just, just naturally just followed him. We we were into sports as well. And yeah, I still love playing sports. I still, you know, if I can play a bit of sport, yeah. But um, yeah. I, I, funny enough, is that I wasn't great at football. Oh yeah. Um, I was my sports. I was really good at was cricket. I used to be really good at cricket. Oh, a little batsman. Um, I started off as an all rounder, and then oh, I just yeah. in the end I ended up being a, just a batsman. But I used to open the batting and things like that. Oh, so, yeah. a bit of a stroke maker, and then um, 
I used to be good at rugby as well. Back in the day, I was, you know, I was very good at rugby. Um, but football is what I wanted to be good at. But I just, you know, my son, by the my son actually is very good at football. Very, very good. So he's doing very well at the moment. He's, nice. he's 12 and I'm like one of his dads that drive all over the country, up and down the motorway, taking him to football. That's awesome. Um, so he's doing really well with it at the moment. Um but yeah, me, I was never. Hopefully, one day play for Arsenal, yeah. <laughs> that'd be that'd be great. That'd yeah. be great. That'd be great. You know, I'd love to see that. You never know because he's he's knocking on the door, so he's he's good. Yeah, and and where did the love for Arsenal come from? My love for Arsenal came from my cousins first took me to watch an Arsenal game, How and they you? said, "Oh, them times I was I was I was a teenager them times," and they took me to an Arsenal game, and from the first time I stepped into Highbury, and the atmosphere. And just the general just camaraderie of it was more the fans that got me more than I'd seen the players, right? I'd seen the players and I knew the players and that. But when I went there, it's the fans. I was like, wow, this is incredible. The songs, the atmosphere, the vibe. And from that, I was just hooked. And I remember going back to games after that without them on my own. You know what I mean? And they were like, Robbie, you went, you went also on your. I said, yeah, listen, man, I go because I'd be like saying to them, when are you guys going back? And they're like, yeah, well, we might go back next month. I was like, next month, no, nah, man, I can't think I want to go back now. It was brilliant, yeah, you know. And then just from there, my love for Arsenal grew. It was round about the same sort of times as well that I was doing music. So, um, I used to try and get to as many games as I could, but then also I was doing music at the same time. So, a lot of times it would clash. You know what I mean, um, Arsenal would be playing on a Saturday three o'clock kickoff but i might have a show somewhere you know in birmingham so i might not be able to do that game so at that time i used to get to as many games as i possibly could and then just as years went on um i got a season ticket at highbury and yeah just from there my love just grew just following arsenal all around the country everywhere i just you know just love the club and i just love football yeah and then how did arsenal fan tv start so when did you sort of decide how far into being an arsenal fan <coughs> did you start to do this um Arsenal fan tv now is what we were talking about nine years ago i started it um and basically it was just i had a friend who's who had um me and him been going to arsenal for years from from again from when he was at highbury and his name's called coogan cassius and he used to have um a boxing, well, not used to, he still has a boxing channel called um, IFL TV, brilliant channel. And that's the one with Eddie Hearn, where Eddie Hearn, yeah, 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 yeah. That's that channel. He's, he's, his channel's brilliant. I literally, I've absolutely. subscribed to that. It's great. He really, he really inspired me to do what I did. Um, me and him back in the day, we used to have a little business together, we run a nightclub together and stuff like that. So, plus, as well, we used to go to um, Highbury together. So, we've known each other for years, right? And then one night I went with him to um, a boxing fight and, you know, I was helping him out. And I said to him, you know what, Coogan, this could work for football, you know, this, this YouTube thing and that. And I put a proposal to him and said, you know, would you be interested in sort of coming in with me and let's do a thing for, you know, around Arsenal. We're both Arsenal fans. We both love the club. Um, but he was really, really busy. So, you know, with his channel, obviously his, his channel was mega. So he couldn't he couldn't commit to that. So Andy and I just decided that you know what, I'm just going to do it. I didn't have a I didn't have a clue how I was going to do it because I didn't I didn't know anything about YouTube. I didn't know anything about social media. You know what I mean? I, I didn't know how to film. You know, 
But I knew that I could, um, I knew that I could talk to people. I knew that I could, um, you know, from my experiences back in the day of reggae, I know that I can talk to people. I can host things. Yeah. So, um, so I just decided that I'm just gonna just go out and set it up, and just literally from scratch. Yeah. Um, linked up with a friend of mine who joined up with me to do it, and. You know, we borrowed a camera, borrowed a mic, and just turned up at the Emirates and started interviewing fans. And it just began from there. And who was your first interview? Who did you interview first? Is he still on the channel? Just fans. They were uh, just fans. Just I think actually one of the fir- the very first interviews on the channel was done by Coogan, who does IFL TV, yeah. because we had this game where we played Reading. Um, and um, it was funny because the game, we were losing the game at half time. And, you know, it was a real shock that we was, it looks like we we're going to lose this game. And there were some fans filmed walking out of the ground at half time. And on the uh, commentary, they said, oh, look, these fans have had so, they've had enough and they're leaving. They're coming out of the stadium. And it was in the newspapers, everything. But what it was, one of the, the actual guy that they filmed leaving the stadium, he wasn't leaving the stadium. He was just going... He was he just left early at half time to go and get a drink because he, he was fed up, but he was he, he didn't leave the stadium. And it happened to be Coogan's cousin. So um he did an interview with him, um, where the guy just explained that listen, I weren't leaving the ground. I was just, you know, I and I didn't leave. Because what happened was the reason why it was such a big thing is because Arsenal actually came back to win the game. Okay. So they was trying. They was kind of trying to say, "Oh, this is why you shouldn't leave a ground early." But he didn't leave early. Yeah. So that was the first interview, and then I think the first game we did, I think we played Tottenham. Yeah. We did a and you won five two. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that was brilliant, and we interviewed some fans there, and I think from the very first game we did, people started to see the the content getting shared, and really enjoyed it. And straight away, I was like, you know what? I think this is going to be. I think this can work, you know. What do you think it is about the channel that makes people so interested in it? What do you th- why do you think people took to it so easily? Because I think they're seeing other fans talk about the club that they love, you know. So um, that's what I think. That's why I think it caught on, and yeah. no one was really doing anything like this before. You know, you saw people would do um, little bits and bobs here and there, but nobody was really doing it how we were doing it, which was we were going to every single game speaking to fans as well as speaking to fans making other content around arsenal around any sort of issues or any sort of um you know talking points so um and you know football fans we like to talk about our club we like to discuss what's going on we like to this you know we all think we're experts you know so so yeah it just it caught on yeah and do you think it helped sort of um bridge the gap between club and fan yeah i think at least i'm yes i do Sometimes it does, sometimes it don't, because we allow people to have their open and honest say, right? So there were periods of times um, when we were doing the channel that Arsenal were going for a really tough time. It just coincided with the fact that, you know, we started to go for a tough time. You know, we wasn't really buying any players. You know, we, you know, after being such a successful club, we started to really drop off, you know, and, you know, the fans who came on, who spoke about Arsenal would express that, would express their disappointment, would express the fact that, you know, they're not happy with the situation. They're not happy um, with how the club's been managed, how the club's been managed even right from the top, which is something that, you know, not 
maybe you would have heard of maybe on a talk sport before, but not really elsewhere. Um, and this was like Arsenal fans directly talking about their club. So, um, so yeah, you know, it all depends on the mood, doesn't it? Yeah. It all depends on the mood. We've also had great times when we've won FA Cups and trophies and things like that, and the mood will be different. So. Yeah. Because I, I wanted to ask you about that because there was a lot of criticism you obviously faced around, especially, I think it was a period <coughs> around 2013 going 2016, that sort of period where you guys yeah. really were popping off um, and Troops was, was having his infamous rants against, mm. against Bayern after the Bayern game. How did you manage that period? Because it was, it was quite hectic. I mean, like there was a lot of prominent pundits who were speaking out against mm. uh, AFTV and sort of saying that it's look, making the club look uh, terrible, whatever the case was. How did you handle that? Yeah, listen, it's tough because you you know what I mean you're not expecting these sort of things. Our, our platforms are let let people have their honest opinion. Yeah. So I, I if I'm interviewing you, and I know you're a Man United fan, right? But let's just say I was interviewing you. It's not for me to tell you what to say, but it's it's, it's all about you. It's about what is your opinion on such and such. And if your opinion is that you're not happy, um, you know, I, I've got, it's free speech, isn't it? So I've got to let you have your I've got to let you have your say. So that's all we were doing. And it used to kind of get me a bit peed off because a lot of these, you'd see um, people criticising us and then you look at what they're doing and they're even more critical than us, you know? So it was, it, there's a lot of hypocrisy going on, um, yeah. you know, and, and our aim's never, ever been to discredit the club or our aim's never, ever to be, you know, we love this football club. We absolutely love it. And all the fans that we interview, they love the club. But if they see things going really, really badly in their opinion, they're going to say it. And that's all we did. And, you know, I think we just reflected the mood of the time. I mean, the t we were terrible, <laughs> you know. So, you know, it was, it's very difficult to find a lot of people during that period that were very positive about the club because, you know, the general consensus amongst all the fans Right. Well, well, not I say all the fans, but the majority of fans were Arsenal are in decline and we're going for a really bad time. And if you even look at certain interviews since, like from Arsene Wenger, the ex-manager and ex-players, they admit that it was a bad time. The club was in decline. It was, you know, I mean, lots of problems. Yeah. So the fans were just reflecting that, you know. So, um yeah, but you, you you are taken aback a bit sometimes by some of the criticism because you know yeah. you're, you're, you're like, well, what I really yeah. loved was the when Gary Neville came on after uh, criticizing uh, yeah. a number of the contrib contributors. How did that come about when that when he came on? Oh yeah, he he had a pop at me, yeah. um, and he you know criticized as well and said that you know he thought that the fans were being too critical, and then I had a pop back at him. And said that, listen, I think you're being hypocritical because you've criticised, you know, and plus as well, I was sort of saying to him, listen, fans have a right to have their say because they pay their hard-earned money and they go to games, right? And then Sky kind of brought us both together to sit down and kind of have a discussion about it. So I said to them, all right, I'd like to bring a couple of the fans with me as well. And they said yes. And then we sat down and we had this uh, debate on it. And I thought it was brilliant, actually. Yeah. And um, I think that we left there having a lot more respect for each other. Um, he had a lot more respect for what we did, and we had a lot more respect from his perspective as well. And um, I think it was a good, uh, a good coming together. Yeah. Um, you know, because I, I, I guess for a lot of um, 
established sort of media pundits and established people in the industry, we were something really different. We're a bit, if you come into an industry and you're a disruptor, which is kind of what we've been, we're kind of being, we've disrupted a traditional industry. Um, you are going to have some people that are going to be, you know, they're going to criticize you. And yeah. I think, you know, you have to kind of accept that, that you're going to get criticized because you're coming from a different angle. You're coming with something different. And I kind of look around and I say, if you look at any disruptor in an industry, I was the other day I was looking at Tesla and I was like, they've disrupted a traditional car industry that is like petrol cars, diesel cars. And they've come in now with this electric car and it, you know, the people who are doing the traditional thing are going to be, they're going to look to criticise. They're going to look to, you know, you will have, you know, eventually he's won them over and now they're all making electric cars, you know. So I think what's happened is a lot of the elements of what we do, I see being adopted now by a lot of the, the you know, the, the, the big media channels as well. So, yeah, but when, you, yeah, when you're a disruptor in any industry, I think you can expect to get some yeah you know backlash yeah let's talk you know? about let's talk about arsenal a little bit um because uh it, it's also still very uh, still not at the best of times for you guys no <laughs> <laughs> no first first what are your thoughts on the, on the transfer window you guys didn't sign any players yeah i was really disappointed with our transfer window yeah. um i felt that it was a missed opportunity um also in a position at the start of this season i looked at our team, I looked at everybody else's team and I said, realistically, a top six finish is realistically where I think Arsenal can finish. You look what Manchester United did in the summer, for instance. I was like, Man United will be challenging for the league. So will Chelsea, spent 100 million on a striker and we know that City and Liverpool will be there. So that's the top four sewn up. And then I was like, those sort of fifth um, so that sort of sort of fifth, sixth place is probably between between us, Spurs, Leicester, you know. But as things have turned out, United have been, you know, very bad this season. Um, they have not lived up to what they should have done. And various other teams, Leicester have not been around, you know what I mean? And even though we've been a bit up and down Arsenal, we've found ourselves in a position when we really could get top four. You know what I mean? We could get that top four position, which I think is so important for Arsenal in in being able to attract players and also getting back into the the top end, you know, the elite end of football, which we've been out of now for nearly four years. So what I wanted Arsenal to do in the transfer window is go out there and strengthen the squad because the squad's light so that we can get into those Champions League places. But I actually think we've come out of it weaker. You know what I mean? We sold um, Aubameyang um, and we haven't replaced him. And then we're relying on two strikers who are not prolific goal scorers. And I'm just wondering where the goal's going to come from. And I look at Manchester United, for instance, and I'm like, despite the fact that they haven't been playing well this season, what they do have is the capability to play badly and still win games because they've got so many good, you know, goal scorers throughout the team. They've got Cristiano Ronaldo, they've got, you know, Rashford, they've got um, Cavani, you know, they've got Bruno Fernandes, they've got goals all over the pitch, they've got players they can, like the, the game the other day against West Ham, they can bring Rashford on and Cavani and nick a goal. 
that's what they have. We don't have that now. And I, and I, and I think that's a real opportunity missed by Arsenal, you know. I know they were trying to get Dusan Vlajevic and that was great that they were trying to go after such a big target, but we should have had a plan B if that didn't work out or a C because it was always going to be really difficult to get him because there's so many clubs after him and a lot of clubs were sort of saying to him, wait till the summer, we're going to come in for you. And he, he knew he'd have to pick a club. So that was always going to be really difficult to pull off. But it just seemed like we didn't have a, a plan B or C. And now I just feel that we're left short up front. And as I said, Aubameyang's gone out to Barcelona. I think it puts a bit of pressure on Mikel Arteta because what if he doesn't get top six? I think he has to get top six this season now. It's a gamble because he's left himself short and he's left the club short. And as I said, the whole Aubameyang thing as well has been a bit... I, was gonna I, ask I found it a bit... Yeah, wait, wait, what is your thoughts on this? I found it a bit... I d listen, it's really difficult to say because you're not on the inside, so you're not you don't know what's gone on, you know you don't know what's happened between him and the manager. I just feel that it must have been something really serious, way more than just being late for a couple of games, because you know they stripped him of the captaincy and then he never played again after that, and I was like. Surely that could have been resolved. I mean, I looked at situations like, look at Chelsea. Um, Lukaku publicly dissed the club and the manager. It's a crazy situation. And, you know, they managed to resolve it. They managed to sit down. He did an apology, you know. Um, couldn't this not have been resolved? Probably and, you know, hold on to a Bamiang at least all the summer if we can't get another striker and then let him go. And it, it just doesn't, it just doesn't seem... You know, it just doesn't seem sensible to me yeah. what's gone on. You know what I mean? I mean, I know a lot of people, and this is my opinion now, a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, but we've got a load of wages off the, the wage bill. But that's only that only works for me if we would have got somebody in to score the goals because we've just been left so short now, you know? If you look at all the teams battling for, you know, top four, top six, you know, goal scoring wise, we're probably got the least amount of firepower apart from saying maybe a West Ham. So I just, yeah, I, I didn't like how that situation has been handled, um, to be honest. But it's difficult because, you, you know, we don't, we haven't got the ins and outs. But even when I see Abamyang's statement where he said, you know, it really hurt that he wasn't able to say a proper goodbye, that shows me that he didn't, that's a guy who. Enjoy, I've spoken to him a few times and I know that he's a guy, he loves Arsenal. He loved playing for Arsenal. Obviously, his form did drop off. But I don't know. I just feel it just didn't seem right to me. It seemed more like, a um, are they trying to just get the wages off? You know? And it's a big gamble. It's a big gamble. If he goes to Barcelona, starts scoring week in, week out, and then we can't score and we don't get into the top four or top six, it's going to look really bad on the manager. So it's a big gamble by him. I hope it pays off for him. Um, but it's a big gamble, big gamble. And um, I'm desperate to get back into, you know, the elite European football. I want to hear that Champions League music again. Yeah. You know what I mean? I know it for so many years. You, you mentioned uh, the inside of the club. Um, you'll know that there's an Amazon documentary coming up. Oh, yeah. What are, what are your thoughts on that, on Arsenal being covered from the inside? Well, I think they're going to have a lot of material this year. Um, you know what, though? I'm just, a lot of people have been saying to me, oh, Robbie, you know, 
this is, we'll find out this in the Amazon documentary and we'll find out what really happened with Aubameyang and I don't think we will. It'll be a propaganda piece. It, it, it will be, you know, those, listen, any club that agrees to um, those um, documentaries, they will have a bit of say over what finally comes out. So, you know, when you watch the Tottenham documentary, there was a lot of problems at Tottenham that year. You know what I mean? They were sacking managers, the whole Mourinho thing and, you know, but when you watch a documentary, you hardly see any of that, you know. So I, you know, um, I don't think it's going to be interesting to see, you know, the ins and outs. But I don't think there'll probably be a couple of little bits. But we're not. I, I just don't see the whole full thing being revealed in that documentary. I really don't. Yeah. Where? What do you? What do you? What's your? If you were to be in charge of Arsenal, what would the few things you would change at the moment be? At the club? Yeah. <laughs> there's a few I mean I think what I would be looking at is improving the, the the quality of players that we've got we've got some great young players really really good young players like Saka Smithrow Martinelli these are these are exceptional players I do think as well to give the the, the Mikel Arteta and Edu and that credit is that I think in the summer they made some really good signings um so that's good. But what I think needs adding to Arsenal now, some real top quality and some experience as well. You know, I think, you know, we're relying on young players right throughout the team. We need a couple of experienced players in there that have been there, done that at the highest level um, to guide those players. And I think we could do a couple of really top, a top, top quality striker and a top, top quality midfield player, you know, um, I think added, you know, I think four, four or five top quality additions to that team, and we could see an Arsenal starting to look like they could challenge for the league. Yeah, absolutely, I'd and that's that's what I want to see. I want to see Arsenal Football Club challenging for the league because this is a huge football club. You know, I've been around. I've been lucky enough to go right around the world. You know, um, with this, you know, following Arsenal. And the fan base, you know, when you're in America, Australia, China, you know, the amount of fans that follow this club, the amount of correspondence we get from fans in Africa, everywhere, you know, it's like, I don't sometimes think the owners realise how big this club is. <clears throat> it's an institution in this country, you know, we're based in London, you know, I think we're the biggest club in London, despite Chelsea may spend the most money, but the, the teams with the most fans in London is Arsenal. You know, and I just don't think sometimes they realise what they've got. They don't realise what they've got in their hands. You know what I mean? They've mm. got a huge football club in their hands, which comes with huge responsibility. And this club deserves to be up there challenging. Absolutely. You know, every year. You ain't going to win it every year. And it's difficult. Because, you know, you see the spending power of all these clubs like Man City and Chelsea and now you, you're Man United and now you've got Newcastle coming in with, you know, multi-billion pound owners and that. But our owners ain't poor either. They're billionaires as well, you know. And I think, you know, more investment is needed and they need to put this club back where it belongs, which is right up there at the top. Yeah, We should be in the mix when... When the big players become available, Mbappe and that, we should be in the mix for those players. Yeah. We should. Absolutely. Look, I mean, I hope not <laughs> as a United fan. <laughs> but um, but no, I completely share your sentiments. Oh, we, should, we should, you know. Yeah. This is not no little small club. You go anywhere in the world and you say Arsenal, they know 
They know what club you're talking about. Yeah. Anywhere in the world. And yeah. Ro- Robbie, I want to segue into um, uh, just talking about uh, our, our, my sponsors for today, which is Two Brooks. Mm-hmm. Have you ever had a salsa before? I haven't, no. What's that? Uh, so basically, it's a, a sparkling water with alcohol. Um, it's, okay. It's, so what's really cool about them is it's a family-owned uh, business, um, and it actually ships uh, worldwide. Not oh, that's worldwide. Brilliant. Uh, that's Netherlands, brilliant. Belgium, and the UK. Um, you can find it online. Um, so this is the plug. <laughs> uh, you can find it online, nice. order online. Um, and I'll put the link in the description below uh, where you can order it. And there'll also be a promo code, which I'll also put in the description below. Um, Robbie, there's also um, something else I want to talk to you about, which is some of the con- contributors on, a- on AFTV. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, um, condolences on, on Claude. Uh, I wanted to, to just share Yeah, that. that was a really, nearly, coming up to nearly a year, that. Yeah. Um, really sad. Absolutely. Um, and uh, I want to just talk, and I didn't want it to have this be too much of the podcast, but mm. um, obviously we all are aware of what happened with, with DT. I just mm. wanted to get uh, some of your thoughts with, uh, with regards to the situation. Um, and, and I know publicly you've been getting quite a bit of scrutiny yourself as if you be the person who did this. <laughs> so, well, yeah, you know what I mean? There was that as well. Listen, um, it was a really, a really, really disappointing thing to see, you know, um, you know, and you, it doesn't matter how much you know somebody, how much you, you know, when you see something like that, that I, I, don't, I don't care. I don't care if you're my closest friend. I don't care. You know what I mean? I, I completely deplore stuff like that. And, um, you know, he's been sent to prison and he has to face his time and he has to do his time. I was really disappointed, not just with some, t- we we got a lot of stickers and I was like, well, you know, yes, he was a contributor on the channel, but, you know, we don't, you know, we don't, we, you know, what somebody does behind closed doors, unfortunately, we don't have any control over. Um, as you've seen, not just with us, there's been big football clubs that have had players, you know, that are employed by them, you know. Um, that have got into into massive problems and you have to deal with the situations like that accordingly. But what disappointed me a lot with this is there's a victim as well. Yeah. And when all the memes are coming out and when all everyone's going back and forth and making videos and that, I never heard none of them spare a thought for the victim. Yeah. You know, <laughs> where's, the, you know, the, to me, that victim's going to have to live with this every single day of her life, Right. And the victims of any, any of these crimes. And I, and I always think back to, I remember when I was doing my surveying back in the day, I used to um, look after re- the repairs of this women's refuge. And I remember, like, being in that place, right, and the women who, at first, they j- just the sight of me, they got nervous. And I was like, what's up with these women? What's up with these ladies? Why are they getting nervous? And then I found out that, like, this refuge were basically women who were being abused and say, for instance, they lived in Scotland to get away from their abuser. They had to move them and their kids to this refuge in London. So they were getting away from that. So they'd be nervous just at the, you know, because they see a man and they don't know who, who you are. Once they got to know me, once they knew that I was the surveyor for that block, they were, they, they were brilliant. So I think people don't understand there's victims to these things. Yeah. And, you know, there's, there's lots of victims. There's, there's families, there's kids, there's, you know. So I think 
you know, that's the thing that disappointed me. The way this, this, you know, some people just treated it like a free for all to just start bantering you and yeah, and videos and this and that without actually looking at that aspect of it. But listen, he has to do his time. He has to go and do his time, and you know, let's hope that he can, you know, come out a rehabilitated person. But my 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 thing, as I said, the victim. Um, let's hope and pray that she can get over this and she can move on with her life as well. Yeah. Um, and that's the victims of all these, you know, we've seen a lot of this stuff lately. It's it's just some of the other stuff, you know, I don't want to go into it, you know, but we've seen with some footballers and there's, there's footballers wait, awaiting trials and stuff like that. It's just, it's horrible, isn't it? Yeah. And as men, we just, we have to be better. Yeah. Listen, Um, I've got daughters. So, you know, anytime I see any stuff like that, I'm, you know, it's, it's horrible. Because you just wonder, you know, my daughters, I'm thinking, mm, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I had to say to my my daughter the other day when she's, you know, coming home from school, she's got this tendency to walk around with her friends and go, and I'm trying to explain to her, listen, come home. I was like, Dad, what are you always worrying? I said, no, nah, listen, come straight home. They don't yeah. understand, you know, so. But, yeah, it was sad. It was sad to see the whole situation. Yeah, and um, yeah, and thank you for for answering that. Um, mm. I appreciate that, and I, I'm sure the audience will also. Um, but uh, you mentioned the meme, and I'll, I'll make the conversation a little bit lighter. There's one thing that I love about you is the is the meme. Um, oh, the meme, the boss man meme. Oh, I need to I I <coughs> ask you, uh, how, how did you first find out about it? When did it first come on your radar? A couple of my staff showed me. They go, Have you seen this? And I go, What's that? Yeah. And then they started showing me, showed me like a couple. And then they started showing me loads. I was like, I didn't even know this, these memes things were going on because I'm just so immersed in making content. Yeah. You know, and you know, I, listen, I always treat, treat it with a pinch of salt. It's funny. A lot yeah. of them, a lot of them are hilarious. Yeah. Do you have any favorites? Um, you know, there's one, <laughs> there's one in particular that I, but I'm not going to mention it, on here, <laughs> but it is funny. Yeah. Um, there's one where it's got me with dreadlocks. Okay. Oh, you know, there's so many, man. I mean, they they are good. They are good. No, so. no, it's, it's getting great for your brand. These guys are these guys are very creative. I'll tell you that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what are what are the plans for um for you this year? The rest of the year. The plans is um I've got this other channel, DR Sports, which is really really flying at the moment, and and that channel is all sports, um, and <clears throat> got you know as I said we we did the African Cup of Nations. Um, and that's been brilliant. But my plans this year, we're going to do a lot of stuff around the World Cup when that comes down in Qatar and building that channel. And that channel's, you know, I'm loving working on that. And also on AFTV, building that. We've got some great presenters on the channel and really building that up. And also, I'm I'm really interested in, like, um, how we can incorporate new technology into what we're doing, you know? Um so I've got some plans around integrating new technology into, I mean, how cool would it be, for instance, to be interviewing fans in the metaverse? That'd be cool, eh? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, that's one That's one thing that I would love to do, you know, interviewing fans in the metaverse. After an Arsenal game, and it, that's quite cool because it includes, After an Arsenal game, it includes everyone from around yeah, the world. Uh, or, you know, uh, on DR Sports, you know, as I said, that's all football. So we could be interviewing any fan around the world. In the metaverse, you know, so those things, those type of things really, really interest me. I'm interested in finding out ways in which we can get more and more fans having their say, you know, having their say, being able to put their points of view, you know what I mean? So, and I think modern technology is the way. I mean, some of the technology being proposed at the moment 
is so exciting. Yeah. And I want to embrace that would because you, would you uh, do any NFTs? Would you ever play in that space? Yeah, we we we're, we're looking at NFTs at the moment as well. Um, I've had about a million people approach me about NFTs, but um, trying to do it in the right way. Um, but yeah, NFTs. You know, there's a whole new wave of things coming. Um, that's going to revolutionise the way in which yeah. we do social media. And, you know, even if you look over the last, when we first started doing AFTV, you didn't really have that live stuff. And then that's coming, and now you can do so much live content, you know. So, And that's just happened in a small amount of time. So what is the new technologies over the next, say, five to ten years, what are those going to throw up that then brings football more accessible to everybody and I want to be at the forefront of that I always like to be you know whatever's happening I want to be right at the at the beginning of that and and also what we we've, we've been doing is we've been growing I had a little strategy last year to try and grow on as many platforms as possible um and we've done really well with that we've got over a million subscribers now on Instagram we've got over a million on Facebook you know um we're growing our TikTok now that we, we're really you know, um, putting a big emphasis on TikTok and YouTube shorts, you know, so it's growing on every platform and treating every platform as its own platform and not just, you know, as a side thing, you know, that's, that, that was one of the strategies that we changed up last year, which has worked really well. And people, because everybody's got their own platform. Yeah. You know, yeah. some people, they're YouTubers, other people, they're, tiktokers i mean my kids live on tiktok so i watch them sometimes and i watch their patterns and i'm like right we have to we need to start getting, getting bigger on tiktok because you know they they're on youtube but not all the time yeah they don't really do instagram do they? so if we want to get that demographic or we want to go after that demographic we need to, and that demographic will be older soon we need to go after tiktok TikTok is huge at the moment. Yeah. So you always got to be, there's so many platforms to keep up with. There's so many things. There's so many innovations and changes to keep up with. I mean, NFTs, what you just said to me about. I mean, a couple of years ago, you said NFTs. Nobody would know what you're talking about. You're probably thinking, what do you mean, Newcastle? Or <laughs> NFC, in it? Or something like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So there's all these, as I said, that, the metaverse, all these new um, things coming in. I just want to make sure that we're up with that so that, you know, we're always what we're always in there from the beginning and trying to find a way in which that can, you know, bring football to a wider audience and the wider fans out there, you know? Absolutely. So, and, um, and I look, I wish you all the, all the best of that. I'd love to, I'd, if yeah. you do an NFT, I'll gladly buy an NFT yeah. that you create. Um, there's a, a new tradition, which I'm doing on the show. When I end off the when I end off the podcast, is I just ask the guest, "What is your favorite quote?" My favorite quote. Oof. You know what? I don't have a favorite quote. I have so many, and funny enough, I look at so many of these inspirational quotes and posts and that, mm. but I don't have a. Fa I've got there's one sort of um. I don't know if you've ever seen that graphic of that iceberg. Yes. That's and, and, and it's, that's my favorite. Yeah, that's my favorite. I'm always showing that to like all my staff, to my kids, and I'm like, it's so true. So much of the work that you do is not seen, you know. Yeah. And overnight success is like yeah, yeah. years of work. Yeah, so you see, yeah. like, um, I always uh, the analogy of a boxer, right? Um, 
a boxer, you'll see he'll fight a maximum of 12 rounds and, you know, if he's successful, he wins the title and you see him with the belt and he's holding it up and the entourage is around him and it's brilliant. And, but actually, what you don't see is the three months training camp, the runs that he's having to do on his own in a pouring rain and the cold, the, the going to the gym twice a day, the sacrificing not seeing his family, the sacrificing not eating this food and not eating that food and not drinking alcohol and not going out, you know. That's, the, that's that iceberg. All we see is the top part, right, the actual fight and his success afterwards. And we just, but if you actually look, what's made that happen is all the bits that led up to it. And I always think that's so important. And that's why me, I, I, I'm, I'm always working, man. I'm always putting the work in because I'm like, you know, if you're going to be successful, you have to put the work in, you know, you have to, and it's the unseen work that makes you successful. It's like the stuff that when people see you, that's the, that's the after bit. That's the nice part. That's the, that's the nice part after bit. That's the after part. And so, some of it's nice. It's not always nice <laughs> because that's the other thing. I mean, when you, the, the, the bigger you get, the bigger responsibility you have as well. I mean, you know, I've, I've learned that over the years, man. It's like, you know, things that I could have said in the past that might just be a throwaway. <laughs> come back and bite you. Yeah, we would now be in the newspaper. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. you know, so I have to be, you know, you, you have to be guard, more guarded on what you do and what you say and more responsible in everything you do as well. But yeah, I ask, I, I, quote, I don't really have a quote, but it's just that. If I, I tell anybody, Google that, look at that iceberg thing. I love that because that, to me, that epitomizes me, my business. That's us. It's the unseen. Absolutely. It's the grafting. Yeah, that's great, what achieves, you know. It's a great image, man. Yeah. Um, and Robbie, I want to say thank you so, so much for coming No, thank for coming you. On. Thanks for having me. Um, privilege. Y- yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, and wish you all the best uh, with the rest of the season. No, I wish you the best. You don't mean that. <laughs> I want to say that. As a Man United fan, you don't mean that. You don't mean that all the best. Yeah. So just be honest. Yeah. You want us to flop. Don't worry. You know, we, uh, I, listen, as I said, I'll just please ask if we can get into the into this top four. That's why I'm so disappointed with the transfer window because I, I do think it's an opportunity missed. But listen, I'm I'm not a manager of a football club. I'm just a fan. Um, mm. Hopefully, the manager is going to prove us all wrong and prove all the doubters wrong. Mm. And if he does that, then it's happy days. Absolutely, looking forward to it. That right. all the best, Bobby. Thank you very much.